You know, I usually try to open these with a fun little witty story about something going on in my life that corresponds vaguely to what we're going to be talking about here on the show. Unfortunately, I've got nothing this week. Welcome to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and it's not from a lack of trying. I've been trying to come up with something to say here that's fun, that corresponds vaguely to what we're going to be talking about on the show, but it's going to level with you. It's been a long week. Been without a car this week. Been a long week, cooped up with producer Cooper, and I'm recording this at the 11th hour to get it in before... Uh, the due date tomorrow morning. So yeah, it's going to be a good episode. We're going to plug right in, plug right into the good stuff. But uh, sorry about the lack of a witty story. So far here on the show, we're doing a series called Intercultural Ministry. For those of you coming in for the very first time, it's been a uh, talking about culture, why it's important to research and study and value other people's culture. And also learning how to read scripture, read scripture without cultural biases, understanding that we do read culture or read scripture with cultural biases and trying to navigate this complicated waters. You know, it's this a class like this proves that there is more to ministry Ministry is more complicated than just go preach your sermon, go love on someone. It can be more complicated than that, and it is more complicated than that, and we need to realize that. Last two weeks on the show, we've had missionaries talking about the cultural experiences they have had, Jamie Taves traveling around, experiencing a variety of different cultures as he makes short films, short documentaries on missionaries, and Nate Hardley talking about his experience the past five years doing missions in Uruguay. Today, we're going to be talking about a reoccurring homework assignment that I have had every single week for this class and some of the lessons that I have been pulling from it. So each week I have had to do a case study. So for those of you unfamiliar with a case study, in general, case studies present to you either a scenario that has truly happened or just a very plausible scenario that you then have to sit down and wade through the waters of, okay, what happened in this scenario and what needs to happen next in this scenario? What is the logical outplay of this scenario? How do we get involved in this scenario? So that's the general idea of a case study. And it has applications of, you know, you could fall into this type of a situation or know someone who does or who has. For this class specifically, this is how the case studies have worked. It's a real short story. And each story has been presenting two opposing cultures Somebody is visiting another culture, maybe they're studying abroad, someone just moved from one culture to another culture. This has been some of the reoccurring scenarios. And they are confronted with a difference. 
they or people that they are involved with in the story are confronted with the cultural differences. And then you, the reader, it turns into a choose-your-own-adventure book. If you've ever read those books or played the tabletop games, it turns into a choose-your-own-adventure then. Because you're given, in these case studies, you're given four options. What happened here? Is this person experiencing culture shock? Is this person just being, you know, just has high expectations? You go through those, you pick one of them, and then the next page is an answer key. These stories are like a page long, if that. You go to the next page, and it has each one of those answers, and it tells you whether it is the best solution, a plausible option, or just, no, you, you missed, you misunderstand the scenario, try again. And so through this, after we read the case studies, we are to then sit down and write a short, like two page paper, real short paper, summarizing the story, the one page story, reflecting on the answer we chose and why, and then talking about how this information is beneficial to the church, you know. So just to kind of talk through a couple of these scenarios specifically. So one of them was about a Korean family that moves to the United States. They've adjusted really well, have gotten involved in church, but the the husband in the family is talking to the neighbor who lives next door about how, you know, they feel very disconnected from people and they don't have very many close friends. And the neighbor, the American neighbor next door says, well, let's put something on the calendar for next week for dinner. And the Korean man replies, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So that's one. Another story we read about was about a foreign exchange student, an American foreign exchange student going to an Asian country. I don't remember exactly which one. I think it may have been Thailand. And he runs into somebody while he's at school from Thailand. And the individual, the American, wants to work on improving his language skills. And the uh, person from Thailand wants to work on English. So they agree that they're going to go spend the day together on a hike at a local nature place to get to know each other better and to work on their languages. And the, the boy, the uh, boy from Thailand arranges the whole thing. The American students pumped, he shows up and there's like 25 people that this person from Thailand has brought along on this hike because everyone wants to meet the American student and work on their English and the American student is really bummed about it. And the, the person from Thailand is very discouraged that they are really bummed because they went to so much work to get the, to arrange this outing. Another one that comes to mind that we had to work through is a different foreign exchange situation where a Brazilian couple comes to the United States, New Orleans, to work on uh, graduate studies at a col at a university. It doesn't say where. They meet a young couple 
they become friends throughout the first semester during the second semester they don't have as many classes they rarely see each other but the americans had said you know whenever you're in town drop by whenever you're around drop by and so the brazilian couple do they just drop in one day unannounced and the american the husband i can't remember if they were married or not but the husband is very uh thrown off by their arrival he's frantically picking up he doesn't offer them any refreshments or anything or an explanation as to where his wife is and the brazilian couple leave discouraged thinking that they were closer friends so that was each that was a few there's been more there's been other articles and other stories we've had to read those are the three that immediately come to mind of, okay, so what's going on in these scenarios? What is the issue? And how do we work through this? And how does the church benefit from this? And so you, you run it back. So with this Korean situation, the issue is that the Korean family comes from, actually, it's very similar to the Brazilian situation. So I'll talk about both of these at the same time. Um, they both come from this context where, does it come from this culture that's very um, collective? You know, if you listen to last week's episode with Nate about Uruguay as well, that it's, you know, you just drop in. You just come together as friends, as family. You don't have to arrange an appointment. You just drop in. So in the Korean family situation, the Korean family is discouraged that nobody just drops in. Nobody just drops by. Here in America, we're very time-oriented. You know, this isn't really even like an individualist issue. We're, we're very time-oriented, you know. So we have to put everything on the schedule. Everything has to be planned out. Even people who aren't really planners still have to kind of have something on the calendar at some point. And so the Korean family was coming up against a cultural difference, and it made them feel alone. And similarly with the Brazilian foreign exchange students here to America, they were discouraged at the lack of hospitality and just the kind of curtness that this person, they thought they were their friends, but was very curt, very short, not very sociable. Because here in the United States, we have these, I believe the word is colloquiums, that don't mean anything. Y'all come back now, you hear? You know, like, drop by anytime. I'll see you around. You know, things like that. Like, we just say these things. They probably don't have any meaning behind them. It's just a, oh, another way of saying hello or goodbye for us. But in other cultures, saying something like drop in anytime, that is taken at face value because of their mindset of how their culture works. When it comes to this uh, other foreign exchange student situation with the American student in Thailand, this again, I guess it does go back also to the collective mentality. Um, these Here in America, you know, extroverts obviously love big groups. So I am told maybe that's a stereotype, but extroverts love big groups. But usually when we plan something, Unless it is spe clearly spelled out, we expect, if I make plans with 
my wife. Now, that's not a good example because my wife, Claire, and I go do stuff together all the time. If I make plans with one other of my friends, if I make plans with Dr. Jonathan Roy and we're going to get we're going to get coffee together. The expectation then is that it's just going to be the two of us unless one of us communicates a difference. That makes sense. It's usually how we do things here. It's, it, there is usually some form of a communication of, hey, let's go get coffee. I'll invite Annie to come along. On the flip side, though, in other cultures... You have more so this mentality of you just bring people together. You don't have to check in. The expectation is that there's going to be more people around. So for the American student who thought they were getting one-on-one time, and I can I can sympathize a little bit with the American student because I'm an introvert, and I think I would find it very... I would be put very off guard if I showed up at an event that I thought was just going to be me and one other person. And there's 25 people there. I think I would be a little thrown off too. And maybe a little discouraged because I like smaller groups. I can get to know people better anyway. So in each one of these scenarios, we write this little paper talking about, you know, the situation, the answer we chose, why we chose it, then explain whether, you know, go into why it, why the best answer is the best answer. And I, I think what's one thing that's cool, sidebar, um, is that there's not always like one correct answer. Sometimes the answer is this is the best answer, not the correct answer, or this could be one of the best answers it's is there are situations where it's like you know there's not a lot of nuance in this situation so it's probably this but it could also be this one as well that's a sidebar anyway but then we need to talk about how this information applies to the church now For those of you who have been around the show for a while, you know that I like to dunk on forum posts. Forum posts aren't great. Uh, But the point of forum posts is that it, it replaces what should be classroom discussion time. It's probably worse, if I'm being quite honest, than how classroom discussion time normally goes. But you have to have something like that. I kind of wish that there was a step where we have to discuss these case studies with the rest of the group because I noticed a pattern in my answers on the church part. And I just, I'm curious to know where my other, where my other classmates fall. It's been very interesting. This has been a class where I guess you could say the cards have been put on the table at times of like, when it comes to people's different interpretations of culture and race and ethnicity. I'm not trying to say that there's racists in the group that that has not come up at all, but there has been times where it's like, well, no, I don't agree with that a little bit more strongly than I have in other classes situations. So I'm curious to know how my other classmates handled 
these case studies. But for me, at least, these case studies build an argument for loving your neighbor in a unique way. I think when we actually sit down and wrestle with these types of things, which I don't know where you just get case studies. I don't know how that happens. Um, But when you sit down and you actually wrestle with like, okay, these are cultural differences and these are real world situations where, or possible real world situations somewhere in the multiverse that these play out and people are feeling lost. They're feeling marginalized. They're feeling alone. They're feeling possibly depressed even in these situations as a church, when we become aware of the fact that cultural exists, cultural differences cause these types of things. I think that should send a, send a message to us that we need to be able to, to engage multiculturally that there are going to be times possibly where you're going to have somebody in your church who comes from a culture that is more collective, that has just this expectation that people are going to drop in. And so I think as a church, if we want to love our neighbors, we just need to drop in. We just drop in and visit and understand that that means now you're opening yourself up for people to just, for those people to just drop in and visit you. I think this builds a case for learning how other cultures function and understanding that no culture functions perfectly. There will be times where scripture confronts a different culture somewhere around the world. It confronts the American culture. It confronts the Japanese culture. It, it, it affects, it confronts everyone in some way. But when it comes to this way that we relate to one another, I think this should challenge us to be more multicultural. And in a way, I would say becoming more multicultural in our approach of, you know, this is a collective group, so we need to, you know, bring people together or giving, you know, maybe you have a high concentration of a certain group in your church, finding ways to give them a voice in your church. I'm not the expert, so I don't know how you would go about doing that, but having like a service that they that you work alongside with them to coordinate or having uh, workshops where people uh, you have workshops or Sunday schools or whatever you want to call them, where people from different groups have the opportunity to communicate. These are the times where I have felt marginalized. These are the times where I have felt unloved, not to just throw stones at the church, but to help us help everybody understand that like love looks differently in different cultures how we communicate love looks differently in different cultures and it it appears at least from these case studies that how love looks like in other cultures oftentimes looks more like spontaneously coming together 
Which doesn't that kind of sound like how the church is just supposed to be in general, where two or three are gathered together, there I am. You know, I'm I'm probably ripping that way out of context. More on that next week. I'm probably ripping that way out of context, but you know, the church, our family, our our friends, that we're to be together. You know, I just got done, I had my small group over just before I sat down to record this and we built gingerbread houses and we watched home alone and yeah, we put it on the calendar granted, but just to have everyone together was just a breath of fresh air after the end of this week. So I, this is a case for loving your neighbor and that loving your neighbor sometimes means you don't love them like you would another American. You learn how to love multiculturally. And that takes work. And we just want to do what we always do because that's what we know. But it it takes work. It takes effort. And I'm going to say it's going to be worth it to help people feel less marginalized in your own home church and to give them a voice to help them feel like they matter. And I think that's it. I think that's all I want to say today. So thanks for listening. Uh, I want to give a special shout out because I thought of this while we were talking. Uh, Pastor Will has been on here a handful of times uh, recently in the past couple months, once during communication and ministry and once during leadership 101. Uh, he has a church down in North Carolina, Lutheran Church, and I watch their services during the week. And he they've just got done doing like a whole bunch of Sunday school classes and Zoom meetings with their sh social justice group and just learning about different cultures. And I just want to give him a shout out, give uh, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, a shout out for doing what I talked about today of giving people a voice, giving people uh, an opportunity to teach us about how we can love better on one on other people that is it for today's episode again uh, as always you can go down into the description of today's episode to find links to all of the important things as this episode comes out tomorrow that means there's only one day left on the christmas sale in the merch store so feel free to use promo code christmas to get a discount at checkout to pick up a end of the year hat or pint glass or mug or whatever you want. You can also, if you feel like it, rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google. I don't think you can review shows on Google. I don't know if you can review shows on Amazon, but you can on Spotify and Apple, so do it there. And also, feel like, and also, if you'd like, send this show along to somebody that you think could benefit from it. Hey, if you missed it, this past Thursday, I was a guest on the Go There on 4th podcast. This is a faith and fantasy football show. It was a great time uh, hanging out with Jason, going over our picks for the week, who we thought was going to win uh, this uh, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday night games. Also, uh, 
talking about our struggles this season with our fantasy teams, uh, who our starting lineup is this week, and also got the opportunity to talk about the importance of silence and using silence as a form of worship this time of the year. So go on and check that out. I've shared the link on Facebook, uh, but you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And I believe there is a YouTube video version as well. If you would like to check that out and look at me more, it's kind of weird. Next week is the finale to intercultural ministry series. I can't believe we're already done, but it, it was kind of a quick one. This was, this was a bit of a quick one. But it's because we have the holiday party and it's just like other stuff coming up. So, so yeah, next week is going to be the finale and it's going to be a review of the book Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes by two people whose names escape me. One of them is Brandon, though, not me. But I remember that his name is Brandon. The other guy's name is Randy. Uh, and yeah, so it's been a great read. Uh, I've done two other book reviews on the show, and this one it takes the cake so far. So, going to end this series on a high note, possibly a little discouraging, but at least on a high note because it will be a good book review. And like I said, after that, we got the Christmas, the holiday party with special guest Joshua Knoll on the show. So, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. I believe that is it. So remember, theology is for everyone, so keep on studying. Mm-hmm.